There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Be true to you and drink what's good for your body and soul. sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by the gorgeous Luke Cooper from WA. Luke's around about seven months sober now, just, just passed. He was a participant in one of my challenges, very inspirational. He keeps our, I reckon you keep the wind in the sails of a lot of the graduates in our group. He's just, he's now the ice man as well, which he'll tell you all about. (laughs) He's he's ice bathing like a a maniac. So Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. How are you going? Good, Danny. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. That's great. I'm so stoked to have you on. I just, I'm, I'm stoked. So tell me, Luke. What are you feeling in your body right now? Other than nerves, um, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit excited. So I'm feeling very, um, very relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, relaxed, I'd say. That's good. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. So tell just, you know, like anyone else I'd ask on the podcast, when did you start drinking? Uh, I think I had my first drink probably around about the age of 12. Um, but first time I got drunk, I was 13. Yeah. Wow. 13. So young. So many people of so many of the people on this podcast have the same, you know, often it's 13, you know, my daughter's 13. I can't imagine her getting drunk. So tell me what transport, like what was, what was the situation there? I was, um, I have an older sister, so I just started high school and um, I, I knew a lot of her friends from, she was a couple of years older than me. So I knew a lot of her friends. And when I started high school, I started mingling with them a little bit at school. I don't want to blame them at all. It's not their fault, but you know, you just, you're young and you, you, uh, I was 
you know, trying to impress everyone, trying to fit in, trying to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we were, me and my mates were all in year eight, I think. So yeah, 12, 13 years old, we, um, had an older person buy some alcohol for us. I think it was a carton of Forex and yeah, we sat in a park and got drunk. Yeah. As you do, I think it took about, about three beers to get me there, but yeah, that's yeah. what we did. Yeah. And what yeah. did it do for you at first? The first time I got drunk, yeah, just that fuzzy feeling, that warm, fuzzy feeling and just that the feeling of not being in control excited me, I think, um, and, you know, saying stupid things and doing stupid things and we were playing on the, you know, swings and all that stuff and, oh, this is fun when you're drunk, you know, having a laugh. And I think I didn't get a hangover the first time I got drunk for some reason. I just I, I felt fine the next day. It wasn't until a few months later when I drank a lot more, obviously, it was when I had my first hangover and that was that was pretty bad. But, yeah, it was that feeling of being able to let go, I suppose. Mm, that feeling of letting go. That's what mm. I guess so many of us are chasing or we realise that it gives us that. So we're like, I want more of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so how did it progress for you? Oh, in high school, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, so house parties, things like that. We were drinking most weekends at parties or, or around friends' places or in parks school oval you know wherever we could uh, yeah in my younger years of high school it was wasn't as often obviously but but by the time I was sort of 15 16 I'd already been caught a few times by my parents so by that age they'd kind of loosened the reins a bit they'd kind of realized that they couldn't really stop me whether they grounded me or not they just they just knew that I was going to do it anyway so yeah just throughout high school you know going to parties trying to impress people and yeah, using it as a social lubricant as well because I was quite a shy kid and a little bit of an introvert as well. So um, it was very much a yeah social lubricant, yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, do you wish that mum and dad had have stopped you now looking back? Um, no, I don't blame them at all for, for not stopping me or anything like that because kids be kids. You know, I had to learn my own lessons. I think I could have made better choices, yeah. It's just so hard, isn't it, when we're kids and we just we think we're making the right choices because we want to fit in. Yeah. And if that's seemingly successful on the weekends, we're getting that acceptance that we're looking for, especially when we're the shy introvert type. Yeah. It's so hard to make any other choice but that. Yeah, that's right. And you become, you know, you do something stupid at a party, you become talk of the town, basically. <laughs> and I was a few times. So, What did you do? Oh, <laughs> my mum will kill me for telling this story. But, uh, yeah, I was about 13 and this was the first time they caught me drinking. I, I went to an older kid's party with some mates. We snuck out, um, snuck out, went to this party. We were told we weren't allowed to go. We went and I got absolutely smashed on Jack and Coke. And um, it took me a few years to drink bourbon again after that. Uh, but I got so drunk and the the parents of the kid that were having the party kicked me out and and basically um, I went to the park next door, passed out, threw up, did whatever. And then I was taken home by some older kids. They drove me home and the talk of the town was, oh, he was taken to hospital by an ambulance and his stomach was pumped and all this sort of stuff. And that was a story for years. I think people still believe it. <laughs> yeah, it was the talk of the town for years. I was grounded for like what felt like a lifetime, but it was probably only about two or three weeks. But yeah, it didn't stop me. 
Yeah, it doesn't stop us, does it? Like, no. you know, in the conversation I had with Sam Brown that went out this morning just talking about we don't listen to the signals that our body's sending us. We're not, we don't listen. We don't go, fuck, that's abnormal. Yeah. It's like I remember eating a barbecue-flavoured corn chip that I had when I was younger, and I think I ate so many of them, they made me vomit. Yeah. And I could never eat them again. I just never touched them again. But yet I didn't have that same experience. Like the first time I threw up with alcohol, I just yeah. still go back. Oh. Yeah. yeah, we just It's not crazy. Listen. It's crazy because I, I didn't like booze the first time I tried it. Like, the beer was gross. Bourbon was gross. But you're just trying to fit in, you know. Yeah, it's like that need for acceptance outweighs yeah. that kind of what the body's trying to tell us. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. So when do you, do you start to feel like this is impacting me? This is, when did it, you know, become a problem? How did it look for you as you got older? Uh, so in my final year of high school, um, I was assaulted at a party. Well, I say assaulted, I was, I was bashed basically, broken ribs, um, broken nose. My face was all messed up. Yeah. Fuck. I was. Um, who did that? Who did, who, who did that? It was a, an older kid from school who'd been already been expelled. He he um he was quite violent. He's obviously quite a violent person. But his younger brother had pegged me and said that I'd picked on him or something at school, which I hadn't. And this guy just come from behind and just yeah just laid into me, um, knocked me unconscious, and I was inside the house when it started, and then when I woke up and came to, I was outside. So I, I don't know how I got there, if I'd gotten up or what, I just don't remember anything. It just blacked out. I ran to the fence and jumped over and, and ran out to the street and some kids, I, um, some boys from my class came and picked me up in a car and took me, took me home and then eventually to hospital. But, yeah, it um, was quite a traumatic event for me because it was my final year of high school and I'd, I guess I developed a bit of a, a social anxiety from it. Um, I wouldn't go out without my friends with me for protection. I wouldn't go out without, you know, driving myself. And, yeah, it ruined my year 12. I just just stopped going to school. I'd only go whenever I felt like it. I'm sleeping in, smoking lots of pot, drinking heavily and, you know, listening to lots of angry music and, and isolating in my room. Wow. And I, looking back, I did live in a bit of a state of fear for a while because I never knew whether I would see this guy again or or, or whether it would or he's going to come back and finish me off. I don't know. You know, it was um it was quite traumatic for me. Yeah, it sounds like you had PTSD. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, for for quite a while actually. Was that ever diagnosed? I went to a um, a therapist for a brief period of time just to just to talk about it yeah I didn't take it seriously like I honestly didn't I was you know only 17 18 years old I just I just didn't take it seriously and the following year I uh, I moved well we we moved to Perth um, and I didn't know anyone in Perth so it was like a a brand new start for me which I was really happy about because I could get away from town and and not have the fear of running into this person again. But because I was so shy and had like pretty bad social, you know, anxiety, I just I found it tough to meet people. So I I got a job, part-time job, and I was studying as well, but I got a part-time job in a bottle shop. 
and it was probably the worst thing because I just mm. had had al- any alcohol I wanted at cost price, you know, and I just drank a lot like by myself, like not one or two beers, like a lot. Drink to the wee hours of the morning, smoking pot and doing, yeah, it was just. On I your just, own. Yeah, on my own, yeah, for, for mm. a lot of it or, or if my parents were there around, I'd go and drink with them, but usually I'd drink alone. Yeah, I was a bit of a loner for a while, so it, alcohol was, was my, my crutch, I suppose, yeah. Describe the sort of drinking. It sounds as though it was like a self-medicating type of drinking, especially if you're drinking on your own. I think so, yeah. I, I would, yeah, finish, finish TAFE and then I'd go to work for a few hours and then I'd, I'd buy a six-pack of whatever and I'd go home and sink that and then smoke a bit of pot, whatever, go to bed, and then the next day would be the same. So I was doing that quite regularly, and then on weekends I'd, you know, might get a bottle of something and, and drink that or just I was trying all these different things because I worked in the bottle shop because I was like a kid in the candy store, you know. I could, oh, I haven't tried brandy before. I haven't tried Merlot before. I haven't tried, you know, Inner Circle Rum or whatever, you know. I was just trying whatever I could get my hands mm-hmm. on basically. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it just sounds like catastrophe <laughs> waiting yeah. to happen. You know, yeah. you've got this probably undiagnosed PTSD. You're working in a bottle shop. You're starting to, it's feeling good to self-medicate on your own. Mm. Wow. So what happened then? How did you, what happened? Well, I, I made some friends and met some other people and then like started to become, come out of my shell a lot more, gain a bit of confidence. At the same time, I was also dealing with my sexual identity as well. I hadn't come out at that stage. So I was still struggling with that as well, you know, um, and how I was going to come out, who I would come out to, all that sort of stuff. So I'd met some friends and um, uh, started to get into the like clubbing scene and going to raves and dance parties and things like that. So, you know, other substances started to get introduced, but I'd found some people that I could relate to and I, I came out to them and uh, I met some other gay guys and we, you know, we became really good friends and we're still friends today. And it was really good to meet people that understood me. So it kind of, it really made me come out of my shell a lot more and, and be more myself. And I started to believe in myself a lot more and just started to live myself a lot more, you know, live my true self, I suppose. Do you think that the sexual identity issue was also caught a catalyst to the drinking, like not knowing what to do with that? Yeah, I I definitely do. It's funny you mention it because I, I read this quote the other day somewhere on social media and it said that every LGBTQI plus person suffers from some form of mental health issue or a substance issue or both. Every? Yeah, because, you know, we spend a lot of our adolescent pretending to be something we're not and then eventually it catches up with us usually you know when we're in our 20s or 30s Um, and I do think that I fell victim to that yeah wow yeah I could see why I was actually talking to another friend about this today when um you know just talking to her about because she was like I I don't have any trauma she's going to know exactly when she's listening to this going you bitch (laughs) but um I was like well in a way even though you had a great childhood and all the rest of it there must have been that point where you know, like mums of girls you're sleeping next to are giving you kind of dirty looks and the mums are sort of cottoning on and you must feel a bit something inside where you're not being accepted exactly as you are. Well, that's right, yeah. It's got to cause some kind of disconnection within the self. Yeah, and and trauma doesn't have to be a car accident or the death of a loved one. It can be, Mm -hmm. 
abandonment, uh, your parents working too much or your dad leaving, you know, it can be anything so minor. It just depends on how the person or the body responds to it. And, Luke, I think this is the thing too, feeling like there's something wrong with you because of your sexual orientation, which is so, and hopefully now that's changing, but, you know, to, to feel that kind of not trusting yourself or feeling like something's wrong with you and not you, not being able to be authentic, you know, living behind that veil. I can't imagine how hard that must be. And yeah. no wonder that people turn to alcohol. It seems to be so huge. As, I mean, it's everywhere. But I know a lot of my, when I partied back in the day, I used to go to this place called Market on Commercial Road with a lot of I my... Um, yeah, I know the market. <laughs> took a lot of substances at Market yeah. um, with a lot of naughty boys. But... You know, this the scene is so intense. Like, there's so much drug taking. It's so much like getting fucked up. And yeah, I mean, the party scene in the gay scene. It's the the drugs. You know, it's it's rampant. Is that trauma related? Yeah, I I guess it could be. Yeah, you know, um, because you spend yeah you spend a lot of your childhood pretending to be something you're not. Right, like I said earlier, and you. And then when you get to your twenties and thirties, and you come out, and you, you finally get to be yourself. So. It's like they're making up for lost time yeah, and just trying to have as much fun as possible. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all because we've all got to have our fun and we've all got to feel our, you know, feel our roots, you know, and, and have a good time. But, yeah, it, it does catch, catch up with, with some people, yeah. It's so unfortunate and hopefully that, you know, the way kids are much more open these days with their sexuality, mm. um, hopefully that's not the case for so many kids. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's the thing. I mean, today is a lot different to what it was when I came out because I came out when I was 19, 36 now. So it was it, it was a different time. How was it yeah. received? Yeah, it was okay. I mean, the first few years, obviously, my parents, I don't think they struggled. But I just think it took them a little while to get used to the idea. But now they're fine. Absolutely fine. They love me more than anything. So it's it's not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's we have a really good relationship and very open with them. So, yeah, it's, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. In some ways you think, well, okay, now I get to live authentically. I can come out from behind this, um, the veil, but that yet then the partying kind of catches up with you as well. And so then it's getting even more intense. So how did it start to look for you then? Yeah. So throughout my twenties, I continued to just drink most weekends and and things like that. Um, I suppose in the, in my late twenties, um, I quit smoking and, and joined a gym and started to look after my health a lot more and things like that. And that's when I started to try and, you know, take a week off here, take two weeks off there or, or take a month off, but failed miserably every single time. You know, I don't even make it a weekend or, or till Tuesday. So yeah, it, it, that became an internal struggle for, for a long time. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I stopped doing drugs and stuff ages ago, but, but booze was always there. It was my backup, you know, cause you could always do it whenever you wanted. And it, you know, you could just have one or two beers or a wine at the end of the day after a long day to take the edge off instead of actually confronting the, the feelings that you're feeling. But yeah, it just, it went on throughout my twenties and, and well into my thirties, obviously. Yeah. What got you to the point where you were re- thinking like, okay, I've got to do something about this. Yeah. The pandemic was pretty bad for me. I, was working overseas when well I was in Australia when the pandemic was 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 started but I was leaving the country to go overseas for work when Australia shut the borders I didn't want to go but I had to because it was work and I was clinging on to a job like 
because everyone was losing their jobs. So mm. I went to Mexico. I was only supposed to be there for six weeks. I ended up being there three months just because delays, delays, delays and supply chain issues and borders and COVID and all that sort of stuff. But I used to have this rule whenever I went on a project overseas that I don't drink on the whole project. I think I kept that promise to myself once on one project. But this one was different because I was only supposed to be there six weeks and ended up being there three months. And I didn't know what was going on in Mexico because I couldn't speak Spanish. So I could only read the news and see what was happening in Australia and whatever was happening on social media. So, yeah, it was a scary time because I didn't know how, with, if or when or when I was going to come home. And then, you know, also the idea of having to quarantine when I got back to Australia was scary because, you know, two weeks in a hotel by yourself is, is not fun. About three weeks into the project, I made it three weeks without a drink. And I thought, fuck it, I need a drink. It's hot. It's like it was bloody hot over there at that time of the year. It was there summer. I got my driver to go get me a carton of beer and I sat out the front of the hotel with the guys I worked with and we, we had a few beers. They were big drinkers, American guys, and they were really big drinkers. And it sort of just slowly declined from there. I, I decided that, oh, I'll have a couple of drinks, you know, on a Wednesday night and then again on a Saturday night. Or mm, Start making Friday. the deals. Yeah, I started dealing that with myself. There was no gym. I couldn't go to the gym. Food was, we were all just living off Uber Eats. Uh, you couldn't go out or do anything except to go to Walmart to buy booze. So, yeah, we, we sat around for about a good four to five weeks with nothing to do because of delays. So we sat in a hotel just drinking. I was drinking alone a lot, like drinking, you know, beer and wine or whatever I could get. And then if I partied with the other guys, they were drinking whiskey and Jack Daniels and rum and bourbon tequila, whatever. And then being Mexico, you know, the cocaine started floating around as well. So three months of that, I'd put on about 12 kilos and lost all fitness and was pretty, it was a pretty dark time by the time I got back to Australia. I remember sitting, because I used to, in my room, I could have this big, big window and I could look out into the car park of the hotel, but I could see the US border. It was only about half a K away. Mm. You could see the, the fence there. And I, was, I used to just sit there and just, like think about when I'm going to leave, when I get to go over that border and I can fly home. And I just kept sitting there watching that every afternoon, drinking my beer and whatever. And I remember thinking towards the end of it, like I just don't care anymore. I really don't care what I look like. I don't care what happens anymore. I just want to go home. It was pretty, yeah, it was a pretty dark dark time yeah well it must have been awful 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 and so who were you talking to about this like the darkness and the despair that you were going through I tried a little bit to talk to my partner but yeah I was just was he back in Australia yeah he was here back in Australia and missing me obviously so it was very it was hard on both of us because you know we thought I was going to be home within six weeks um, but obviously it blew out way too far and I had a lot of trouble expressing my feelings back then as well because I was drinking all the time so I did did try and hide it a lot but hide that you were drinking or hiding the mental health situation I think the mental health stuff more yeah. than anything I was trying to hide um you know I'm okay I'm I'll be home soon blah 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 um letting them know that I'm like I want to get home but obviously yeah it was pretty bad how long had you been with your partner at this stage um what was that that was 2020 wasn't it 
Um, I'd been with him five years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'd already been through a, quite a lot by this stage. So I, I think he knew what was going on, but, but um, yeah, couldn't obviously do much to help me. And then I finally got the green light to come home to Australia and I already knew I was going to do two weeks quarantine in Sydney, but then I got slapped with a, a second two-week quarantine in WA. So it was four weeks in total. Oh, no. Um, yeah. The first two weeks were fine because I was like, I've got, to, I've got to sort out my drinking. I'm going to not drink every day. I'm going to do my study. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to exercise, blah, blah, blah. And it passed the time better than I thought it would. Like I just had this, this daily routine that I stuck to every day, but I was drinking half a bottle of red every night. Oh, so you um, were still drinking. I was still drinking, yeah. but nowhere near to the extent I was in Mexico. Did you ever try and not drink in Mexico? Did you ever have days where you thought, right, I'm not doing it today? No, nah, but by the time I decided I was drinking every day, I just did it every day. You just did it? Yeah. You weren't thinking yeah. about it kind of thing? No. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Wow. So, okay. So, yeah, so you're back in Australia and you're saying, I'm not drinking, you're doing a daily routine, which consisted of? Uh, I'd get up early, have my brekkie, and then I was walking back and forth in the hotel room, just getting as many steps as possible while whilst trying to listen to, I think I was listening to um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck at the time, <laughs> which is a good yeah. book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was studying as well. So I was, I was keeping myself busy with that and then um, doing a bit of exercise, a bit of yoga and things like that, just to try and keep my day packed full of something to do every hour. Um, so there was no downtime to just sit there and do nothing. Uh, in that first two weeks, I lost my job. <sighs> so, um, and then I was just like, oh, crap, you know. It was a, I tried to look at it and I did look at it as a silver lining because I didn't want to face going back to Mexico or any other country whilst the pandemic was happening. I just wanted to get home at this point. Yeah. So I, I just took that as a sign. I'm like, I'm going home. This is a good thing. You know, I can I can live a normal life again. I don't have to fly out all the time and I can I can go and enjoy myself now. It was like a weight off my shoulders. And then yeah, during that whole period of time, like WA, getting into WA was a nightmare. Was 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 we all remember it was horrible trying to get in even as a resident of wa i was rejected three times Fuck, what yeah. it just didn't give enough evidence of me needing to get home or living there or whatever you know it was just it was really hard it was really tough so i got rejected three times and then they gave me an exemption to go home and quarantine at home i was like oh that's fucking great mm. um but the day I flew out, my flight got changed and it went through Melbourne and Melbourne was a hotspot at the time. No. By the time I'd landed in Perth, they were like, hotel, at your own cost. So that was a crushing blow for me. And, yeah, I was expecting to go home that night and, and see Scott and have dinner with him and, and do all that, but the rug was pulled out from underneath me. Oh, that must have been crushing for both of you. The trauma that has come out of COVID like I'm hearing like what you went through. It's not just the kind of every day, the fear that was getting pumped into every, you know, with the media. Oh, the media was terrible. How yeah. scared people were. Everyone was living in fear. You didn't, you know, 
everyone's got masks on, everyone's suspicious of everyone else. You didn't couldn't mm. go near anyone. There is so many levels in which the, for trauma, it was just like a breeding ground, you know, rejection, people being isolated, fear, fear of other people. Yeah. People coming yeah. into your house in case they had it and you didn't know if you were going to die if you got it. And yeah. oh my God, it's just been intense. I can, I can imagine in the next 10 years' time, people dealing with PTSD or people now dealing with it because oh, yeah. so many people have a different story about how it affected them. Yeah. Everyone was affected very differently. And it's, it's, oh, it's just revolting and people turning against each other. And if you had a yeah. different outlook, like, mm. you know, like if you didn't agree with something, then suddenly you were. Yeah. Oh, it's just so wrong. It's so yeah. wrong. It's okay. So, oh my God, you poor thing. Okay. And so then what? So then you're in a hotel room again. Yeah. Oh so um, it was probably better this time around because you couldn't drink unless you bought from the hotel. And I was like, at those prices, well, nah, not worth it. <laughs> so the tide has in you. Yeah. <laughs> you I don't have a job friends. anymore, remember? So. <laughs> What, you didn't yeah. have Scott's bloody credit card? No, uh, I was like, nah, fuck it. I'll, I'll take this time to dry out a bit. So I did. And I focused on trying to find a new job and did some study and, and kept my day full again with, with, you know, positive things. And it helped yeah. a lot because by the time I got back to Karatha, I felt a lot a lot more focused on the future and, and trying to get past this and, um and, and get ahead. And then, yeah, it, t- it took me a little while to get work and, you know, the drinking picked back up again. And How yeah. did it pick back up again? Well, like, it took me a few months to get to find work again. So I had a lot of time on my hands. Like I was going to the gym. I was struggling with my weight. I was trying to lose the weight that I'd put on. Um, I felt unfit. I uh, just felt like, felt like a bit of a loser because I didn't have a job, you know. So mm-hmm. Scott would be at work all day and I'd, I'd be at the gym and, and then I'd do stuff around the house and then I'd be like, okay, what am I going to do now? And, all right, might have a beer or might have a something that doesn't smell like alcohol. Um, so I started sneaking vodka and sodas and gin and sodas and things like that. I'd have like three or four of them before Scott got home so that by the time he got home, like, oh, you want a beer? Oh, great. First one for me too, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just sort of that... I was working, I work eight and six. So I work eight days on and six days off. So for eight days, I don't drink. I had that rule and I stuck to it. Um, I was pretty good at that. Unless we went out for dinner, I might have a glass of red or a beer maybe. But I, I really stuck to that rule because I had to blow in a bag every day, get random drug tests, all the rest of it. So I, I really, I re- was really disciplined with that. Mm-hmm. But day eight of work, in my head, I've already planned. I'm going to stop at the bottle shop. I'm going to buy a carton of beer and several bottles of wine. I'm going to go home, walk in the door, and I've have one of them Yeti mugs, um, quite a big one, so I could fit two beer cans in it. I'd pour two cans in it, and I'd finish that within five minutes. Wow! So you're just guzzling. You're just guzzling that. I was thing. a guzzler, yeah, man, guzzler. Yep, yeah. So, and then I'd have a few more of them, and then cook dinner and be passed out by 10 o'clock because I'm so tired because I've worked for eight days straight. So, Wow. And was Scott, he's not a big drinker, is he? No, he's, he, mm. he could take it or leave it. He's one of those people that could have two drinks and just be done with it. Like he doesn't really drink that mm. much. So, so was he noticing? I, I think he did, but he never actually said anything to me. 
it was more so my behavior after a big bender the next day when I'm just rude and I'm irritable and just feeling sorry for myself. And I ruined so many Sundays feeling sorry for myself. Just, yeah, my behavior when I was hungover was atrocious, you know. I think think that pissed him off more than anything else. He never really said anything about how much I was drinking or anything like that. I think he mentally was taking note of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And so at any point along this, are you starting to see, are you starting to worry about the drinking? Like, I know you probably were in Mexico because of your weight and things like that, but were you starting to feel like I'm a bit out of control here? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, by the end of last year, 2021, this was an ongoing cycle. Work for eight days, then have six days off and I'd drink every day, basically. Wouldn't get smashed every day, but I'd have a few drinks every day. I'm quite a fit and active person. I love CrossFit and keeping fit and healthy. And that was really getting affected by it because I'd wake up the next morning, oh, I can't be bothered going to the gym or whatever. I'd feel terrible or have a bender. And then it would make me feel like shit for three days, four days afterwards. So yeah, I try, I dabbled with a, another month off here and another month off there and things like that. And, and then, yeah, last year, um, I think I had, I had a month off. Um, in about February, we had a month off. I was doing a fitness challenge, lost a bit of weight, had a month off, and then got a really sore back and I got really sick. And then I went to the hospital and I'm like, yeah, you've got kidney stones. And then about a week or two after that, I was in Perth uh, with some family and I got a call from Scott. He'd broke his back. What? How did he break his back? Yeah, doing CrossFit. Jeez, <laughs> oh, he must bar. have been. What? Yeah, he dropped a barbell. He was trying to do an Olympic lift um, and he dropped a barbell on his back. Um, and, yeah, broke two, two of his vertebrae, um, I think in his T-section or lumbar. I think it might have been lumbar. Um, so, yeah, he was airlifted to Perth Hospital and I, I had to drive up from Margaret River and, and meet with him the next day and stuff. And then I was off work for about a month because of it because we couldn't travel or anything. He had to... You know, he, he was out of hospital within four days. Like he's walking and he's, he's absolutely fine now, but it was a long recovery mm. for him. Mm. But, yeah, my drinking started again and, it, you know, it crept back in and, and then the, the usual routine of, you know, eight days on, six days off crept back in again. But it wasn't until the end of last year I had a couple of big benders. I had a, had a bucks do and then I had my Christmas party and it was my Christmas party where I really, like, took the brakes off and just fucking went I sent it like it was was shocking I look back now and I'm like you were absolutely atrocious what did you do I got um nothing worse than anyone else because the guys I work with we're in mining so you know big drinking culture went out on this boat and we we drank all day there was a DJ had lots of fun went swimming blah 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 everyone was jumping off the roof of the boat didn't hurt myself or anything like that we went back uh, when we landed back in Karatha, we um, decided to go to a mate's place. He's like, come around, you know, bring some booze. We'll, we'll kick on, blah, blah, blah. DJ's coming. He's like, oh, okay, great. I'll go home and get some booze. Well, I don't know why, but I got a bottle of tequila, a bottle of vodka and a bottle of rum. Don't need that much. Holy shit, who needs that much? <laughs> I know, right? There was only about four of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, got there and DJ and... Yeah, we were doing shots of tequila and then I just blacked out. Like I don't remember a thing. Um, this is probably the most vivid blackout that I can remember. Um, 
I woke up about four hours later watching a movie, just sitting there and everyone was around. We're just watching a movie. And I'm like, oh. I got up, went to the toilet, come back. And then I was just like, well, that was weird. And then just went to sleep after that. And um, and then I think for three or four days after that, I laid on the couch just in the worst state I've been in for a very, very long time. Uh, physically and mentally? or Physically and mentally. Like, what's wrong with you? What are you doing with your life? You're stupid. This is ridiculous. You keep in this cycle and just negative 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 talk it was um that anxiety really really kicked in i didn't have any recollection of what happened so i was just thinking about what did i do what did i say did i do anything stupid you know things like that and that's when i started um googling as everyone does am i an alcoholic guilty (laughs) yeah (laughs) how do i stop drinking you know how do i moderate you know, things like that and that's when I stumbled across your um your podcast oh true yeah yep wow hmm. Jeez, listen I to can... I think two episodes and I was like I've done that I've done that I've done worse than that I've done that yep this is this is it this is this is it and yeah I think I went all the way back to the start and I just started listening to it on repeat for for weeks and it and it then I just decided there and then that this is something that I want to do I want to stop drinking yeah wow and was it the what was it about it that made you feel like I want to stop drinking was it just hearing other people's stories yeah hearing other people's stories because you know that that stigma are you giving up drinking you're an alcoholic but I always knew that I'm not an alcoholic like I don't think I don't identify as an alcoholic just someone that has an issue with alcohol so Mm. there's that stigma behind quitting alcohol um but hearing other people's stories relatable stories they're like, oh, a normal person can have a problem with alcohol, but they can also give up. And you don't need to be an alcoholic to give up alcohol. You know, you can, if you just want to make the right choice, then have at it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the big thing, isn't it? I think I remember doing exactly the same, like Googling, how do I moderate? Am I an alcoholic? And just, you know, I couldn't quite figure it out. Mm. And I just couldn't get the answers I was after until I finally realised if I just cut this shit out, yep. <laughs> then I don't have the problems anymore. Yep. Yeah. And so, okay, so you've been seven months sober now, just yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get through? I mean, I know you joined the challenge, but what, did, you know, how did you get through, you know, those initial times when you wanted to drink? It seems like for you it's a lot of self-medicating. Yeah. 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 So, so I think um, I had one more bender after the Christmas party and that kind of was like, the I've anchored onto the feeling of that hangover because it was a, a lot of shame that day as well. I felt very anxious and it was, it was after a wedding. So I didn't really feel great afterwards. And I've kept that feeling inside, like how I felt that day, the shame I felt, the anxiety, the, the probably the worst rosé hangover anyone could have ever felt. Rosé, gross. <laughs> yeah, I, know. <laughs> um, I like a rosé, but man, I think I drank about five bottles to myself. It was pretty bad. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I've anchored onto that feeling of mm-hmm. that. And then in the first few weeks, I decided to do a challenge, uh, a fitness challenge where it was like, wake up 40 minutes earlier, read 10 pages a night, try and do some stretching, 40 minutes of stretching. Um, 
and there was 40 minutes of exercise and things like that. But I'd already do, I was already doing a lot of that stuff. So I just added on different things like uh, the stretching and the reading and gratitude and um, things like that. And I just started to develop a little bit of a, a daily practice, I suppose. We talk about it all the time uh, in the challenge. So I developed a daily practice and and as I was listening more and more to your podcast and reading more and more of books like Annie Grace and things like that, I started to go, oh, well, okay, I'll get through three months and see how I feel. And then got through there and I was like, I think I'm going to do the challenge. So signed up to your challenge and haven't looked back. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yep. I loved, yeah. And a lot of people will sign up to the challenge um, after they've already done some time, which is kind of good as well. I mean, both mm-hmm. both is good, but I think that's handy too because then you can start doing a bit more of the, you know, other work that might need to be done. Yeah. Um, and all right, and so so you really got a daily practice going. That's what I'm getting out of this. The early on, yeah, um, even pre challenge that you were starting to get a real. A, and what do you think the importance is for you and for people listening? The importance of a daily practice because this is one I try and ram home to people a lot. I think it keeps you accountable. Um, I know that if you know if I skip a step during my day, or if I, you know, yeah, if I skip a step, I, I kind of feel out of sync. Um, I feel a bit naughty if I don't do it, you know. So yeah. I always try and tick it, tick. I've done that. I've done my gratitude. I've done my yoga. I've done my ice bath. I've done my Wim Hof breathing. Done my daily reflections, and I've you know listened to to something positive throughout the day as well try and listen to um an audio book of some sort while i'm doing my yoga so mm. yeah it just sets me up for a good day um and and staying positive throughout the day yeah yeah setting yourself up for a, a good day and that's what really the daily practice does too it sets you up into that good mindset yeah um, and everything you said that you did you you do as the daily practice i'm just like yes 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 that is so awesome and i think the daily input is one of the most important things like keep on listening to something that's going to keep you inspired yeah keep you motivated is is one thing yeah 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 and I don't really give a shit what it is as long as it inspires you you know like listen to something that's gonna you know and you know please for god's sake turn off the news (laughs) turn the fucking news off put something positive in um setting yourself up for a good day that's so important and I love also that you said just to wind back a bit that you anchored to that bad feeling that you had from that last hangover and I think that's an absolute gem you know though we don't want to sit and be stuck in feelings of shame it's not about that but it's about going well I know if I have this drink I'm back there yeah yeah playing it forward as you always say that yeah I, I do that a lot as well you know um you need to I think you need to, especially in those early stages. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's remembering why you're doing it. Right? Yeah. 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 Remembering your why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause you're like, as soon as that thing starts to creep in, I wasn't that bad. That's the time when you got to go, well, go back, <laughs> go back yeah. to when you felt so shit, like you want to do this for a reason, mm. you know, and remember why. Absolutely. So your daily practice. So can you run us through your, your morning, like how that would look for you at the start? Yeah, so depending if I'm, if I'm working or, or not, if I'm normal work day, I get up about 4 a.m., um, make a coffee and, and get straight into a yoga practice. Um, and what's stri- your yoga practice look like, if I may? Um, I follow a, an app 
called Romwod, which is a CrossFit based one. So um, it's a different routine every day. It's a lot of low, lower body sort of stretching out, things like that. Mm. Um, about 20, 25 minutes every what day. What's that called? Romwod, R O M W O D. Yeah. It's an American based thing, but yeah. So I'll you do get that up and you do that for how long? I'd, yeah, about 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, that's good. I'll do that while I'm listening to podcast or, or an audio book or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I jump in the ice bath for five minutes. That's my uh, favorite. Yeah, it's it started out as a um a recovery thing, but I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna do this every day. <laughs> or as much so as I can awesome. anyway. So, yeah, that's so awesome. Does Scott get in the ice bath as well? Uh he does, not as much as I do, but yeah, he he does it every now and then as well. Yeah. 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 What do you love most about the ice bath? I think I think I love the the mental challenge more now than anything else in summertime it's great because it just gets so hot up here so it is really good to just jump in and cool off for five minutes but yeah the mental challenge is is the best thing for me I think yeah yeah absolutely that's what I love about it too it's like forcing yourself Ash and I were were talking about challenging yourself and I was saying how I'd just been posting that to the current group about you know trying to have a cold shower or trying to do something to challenge yourself anyway so we're talking about that and then I said, well, anyway, speaking of, let's get out and we'll jump in the pool, which is about eight and a half degrees at the moment. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. He's going to hate me for dumping him in. I'm like, Ash, this is bullshit. Like, we're just talking about this. You've got to challenge yourself. So he's like, yeah, all right, all right. So he came and, you know, we both got in the pool and just, you know, sitting yep. in there for a bit. It was really cold. Eight and a half degrees is cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially and, um, over there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we got out and had a hot shower and, I mean, he was so stoked that he actually did it. You never regret doing a cold bath or a cold shower because yeah. you feel so fucking good afterwards. And yeah. it's that mental, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, but all right, I'm going to. But the the tingling feeling you get in your body when you jump in a warm shower afterwards, you're just like, oh, this feels, it's, it's like a high. It's great. Yeah. It is, it is. Oh, people, yeah. please go get in a cold shower and then... Mm. Yeah, it's just so amazing. And you've got a, an ice chest freezer, haven't you? That you Yeah, use. so I, well, I converted an old chest freezer that I just bought off Facebook and, yeah, I just made sure it was all um, sealed on the inside and I just fill it up and, yeah, let it go. Yeah. So good. I'm just so stoked. And I love that in the grads group you often post, like the other day you posted a photo yeah. of you in the, in the ice chest and it gets everyone so inspired. Yeah, I want more of them to do it. I want I want more feedback. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll get we'll get onto them. Come on, guys, get yeah. Uh, some of the some of the group are doing it, and Lyndall's now finally. She's like, okay, I'm going to do this. So yeah, we had a chat it. about it on Sunday night. Me and Lyndall. She's she said she's really scared and hates the cold, but I hate the cold too. But it's it's not so bad now that you do that every day. Yeah, yeah, none of us like it, but it's you've got to think about playing it forward. How am I going to feel right. when I get out? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and the gratitude and things like that was that in there as well. Yeah, so I um, do my gratitudes in the morning and my musts and then um, in the evening I'll do my reflection and my IMs after the gym and I've had dinner and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. and I'll try and, try and read or listen to a little bit more of something positive before I go to bed. Yeah. One of the main reasons I was so wrapped that you said that you'd come on is because you are the epitome of someone who's dedicated to their recovery and to, you know, getting well. You always do. Like it's not just the ice bath, but it's it's been this whole, like everything like we throw at you to listen or you get, you know, you read a book and you just it drops in and you get it and you share about it. And yeah. it's like it really resonates 
and then you start living that. And I think that yeah. that's such a great example, you know, of how to do it. Thank you. That really means a lot. I mean, I, I kind of I hyperfixate on some things, <laughs> some of my friends would say. So I think once I'd given up alcohol, I started to really hyperfixate on on getting better and, and figuring out different things. And, you know, different things come up in the challenge for me um, from my childhood and things like that. And I'm going to start going to see a, a therapist just to talk about things like nothing bad happened, but just yeah. to figure out why I do things and why I say things and, and just things like that. And just to better confront those, those emotions when they come up, you know? Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about, you know, okay, now we've got some separation from the alcohol and we can start to really get to know ourselves and why we do those things and not doing it in this way that's really judgmental or hard on ourselves, but just out of curiosity. It's Mm. so awesome. You know, you get that shit out of your life, the alcohol, and then you start to, and once you kind of get over that kind of initial up and down, then you can really get into that juicy stuff, which I love. That's the best bit. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, tell me um, any... Was there any situations where you felt super wobbly and that, you know, you had to kind of bring in some of the strategies to get through or? Yeah, I'm about, I think we we're about two months in. It was in March this year. I went to Broome with some friends. Um, some friends flew up from Perth and Scott and I drove up from Caratha and it was going to be a big boozy weekend because um, it was Mardi Gras, but it got cancelled because because of COVID. So um, we ended up, we all had, we had this big house and we were just going to sit around and swim in the pool. It was stinking hot. So it was just relaxing time for us. Um, driving up, I'd had the conversation with Scott. He's like, oh, what are you going to tell your friends? You know, are you worried about this? And I said, I am a little bit worried, but, you know, got to be strong. Um, so we stocked up on our zeros and all that sort of stuff. Um, had already made contact with the guys that own the gym up there so we could just go to the gym every morning, things like that, took my yoga mat and, you know, that sort of thing. So the first day, like the first couple hours were, were a bit tough because, you know, I told everyone and um, they're, oh, what are you doing that for? It's, you know, it's a bit, bit boring, things like that. But they were, they were okay, you know. So as soon as, as soon as we got in the pool and they were all drinking and I had my zero beer or whatever I was drinking, no one fucking noticed. So after that, I was like, that's fine. I can drink a few of these without, you know, feeling sick or get drunk or whatever, and I'll be fine. And then waking up the next morning, being able to go to the gym and come home at like 10 a.m. and and they're just just rising and they're feeling horrible without being smug, I felt good, you know. So it just gave me more, more motivation to stay on track and, the the first day was the worst. And then after that, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to drink a zero beer as you drink your normal beers. And that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon embrace sober and smug. Like I'm all yeah. about the smug. Like when they're all fucking feeling shit the next day and you're feeling fantastic, like bring on the smug. You don't have to tell them, but you yeah. can just feel it internally because it feels yeah. so good. Because when I was a drinker, I hated that person. So I don't want to be outside. Where were you last night? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. You've got to feel like that's your win. You know, you wake up the next day and like, well, I feel fine. But yeah. Oh, that is your win, isn't it? Yeah. That moment. That is the, oh, yes, that's your win. That moment when you get to be sober and smug and you get that moment of feeling like, well, yeah. This yep. is 
yeah, I'm pretty awesome actually. Because yesterday when they were giving you a hard time mm. and they probably felt a bit smug because yep. they were the ones, oh, look at me, we're getting to drink. But, you know, that's your win the next day. Yep. Yeah, that's so awesome. And how did it feel for you when they, you know, in that first few hours when they were questioning you? How did that feel in your body and how did that make you feel? Oh, it, it was, I mentally prepared myself. I knew that there was going to be some negative comments but I don't think I was fully prepared for it. So it, it hurt a little bit, but but I just had to think, you know, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this for anyone else. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to let someone else's opinion break me. So, yeah, once I got past that, I was I was absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah, because that's really important for people that are listening that, you know, when especially if there's a bit of people pleasing that can come into it or yeah. you do feel that pressure from other friends and how the fuck am I going to navigate this? You know, it's it's hard. That's really yeah. hard. Especially um, in the early days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was really just that you were staying strong in your and true to commitment to yourself, would yeah. you say? Yeah, yeah. Staying true and and believing in yourself as well, just knowing that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not that it matters, but was Scott drinking that weekend? No. So he, he gave up with me at the same time. Uh, well, actually two days after me, so I hold that over him. Um, but, yeah, he, he he just said, look, I'll do it with you. Like, I, I don't drink that often, so why not? So he's been here for the ride the whole time, um, and he's he could do without it too, so he's, he's not really worried about it, you know. So, yeah. 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 Oh, that's so cool. Mm. i have to get him on the podcast next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's so, so, so good. Okay. And so how's the difference? Like, how do you feel now as opposed to how you were feeling seven and a half months ago? A lot less stress. I'll tell you that much. Uh, a lot less stress, less anxiety. I wouldn't say that I don't have anxiety. I, I definitely still do, but I have better control of, um, dealing with it. Um, and you know, when I get upset or angry or, or, whatever I, I can sit with it and go okay why 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 is this triggering me why am I feeling like this so yeah having those tools to deal with you know deal with your emotions head on and sit with them and, and find out why you're feeling that way yeah that's so important isn't it yeah it's that's that's probably the biggest takeaway from the challenge I think um, mm. but yeah more energy less anxiety just and I think I mentioned it on the on one one of the chats we did during the the challenge group but I was getting a lot of like little bursts of happiness here and going oh fuck I'm really happy right now like this is really good like this is great and I get them every now and then like little nuggets of happiness I'm like fuck this is pretty cool eh so yeah, yeah it's yeah. um that's that's happening a lot more and stuff and I don't remember ever feeling like that when I was drinking you know so yeah, there's, oh, and that's your win as well, isn't it? That little moment that you get of happiness where you just yeah. feel so much joy and, yeah, it's amazing. How's the daily practice now? Is that still going? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'd, like I said earlier, if I, if I don't do something, I feel, feel out of whack and I just, I just got to do it, you know. So um, every now and then, like on a Sunday, I might not do my yoga in the morning, but by the afternoon I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah. The only day, the only every now and then I might not do an ice bath, you know, I might skip that for the day if I've got to clean it or, or fill it up again or whatever. Or, but yeah, I'm sticking to it. It's it's just become a habit now, which is which is what I needed, I think. And I think that will keep me on track. So 
Yeah. 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 Those good habits is, is exactly what keeps you on track. So what would be the biggest kind of pointer you'd give to someone that's in early sobriety to get through? Oh, um, I would say protect your sobriety at all costs. Mm. If that means skipping an event or putting up boundary that's close to you, just do it. Yeah. Like you need to look after yourself, even being a little bit selfish for a bit. You just got to do it. Yeah, you got to protect it. It's yeah. really interesting. One of the girls in the current challenge, she's talking. I'm actually might get her on actually to talk about this because she's got a big girls weekend coming up and she's only early days. Mm. But she's put some things in place and to tell the friends, you know, she's made some boundaries around it. Yeah. And I said to her, how did that feel? And she said, it actually felt really good. And I felt like I was protecting exactly what you just said, protecting yeah. my sobriety. And I thought, wow. What an amazing, what, just even imagining it like it's this precious thing that yep. we need, that we do need to protect and take care of. That's right. And it gives you power to, to take control of that as well, um, to say no to someone or, or say, sorry, I can't make it. Can't make it. You don't have to give a reason. You say, I can't make it. You know? oh, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's such solid advice. You don't, yeah, you don't have to give an excuse, but if you don't feel right about it, don't go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic, Luke. That's amazing. If you could go back in time and give yourself, perhaps Luke, that's come out of being the, the attack that happened and, you know, before it started to escalate, what advice would you give him? Um, I'd probably say you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Just be yourself. Yeah. 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 Do you think if you had have had that advice, things would have changed? The trajectory of where it went would have changed? I think I think some things could have changed. Yeah, I think maybe if I was a little bit more confident in my own skin, things might have been a bit different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling in your own skin now? I feel amazing, actually. To be honest, I feel really good. I'm a lot more confident these days. Not just because of the the not drinking, the other things in life. I'm I feel like I'm kicking some goals. So, yeah, I I really feel really confident and a lot better. Um, a lot more comfortable in my skin. I would say, yeah. Surely a daily practice like yours has got to give you some more confidence. Like even the sheer fact of getting into an ice bath every day has got to give you something like it's got to do something for your confidence and, you mm. know, what you feel like you can achieve in life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you always think about, you know, screwing away a little bits of money and what's this going to get in 10 years time. And I think about my daily practice like that, you know, if I add little bits more, every now and then a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, what's that going to add up to in 10 years time? And that's how I look at it. So I don't know where it's going to take me, but I know it's going to be somewhere positive. So Amazing. And has people like, you know, your partner, Scott and and your family, your mum and dad, like, have they seen the difference in you? I think my sister has, Uh, we talk quite often. We're quite close. So yeah, I think she's noticed the difference. Scott's definitely noticed the difference. He's always telling me how proud he is of me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely coming through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So people are seeing the difference. It's amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. How are you feeling in your body now? Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah. (laughs) Really good. Yeah. You're feeling less nervous. Yeah. What? Yeah. Nerves are gone. Yeah. The nerves are gone. Bad my soul. So I feel really good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing, Luke. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. And I just love this chat. And I think you are so inspirational. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. Thank you for just everything you contribute to the group as well with your, you know, your wisdom and 
pictures of you in the ice bath and no danny i wanted to say thank you to you as well what you're doing is you're changing so many lives it's just it's incredible so thank you so much for that as well um yeah yeah thank you thanks luke awesome have an awesome evening yeah you too